0: back baby. Well, it's, weapons, knives, makes you the other half it's Saturday March 11th 4 p.m. and the devils have a big one in Montreal tonight. Mr. Welcome everybody. My name is Bill Botch and you are listening to the trap podcast. That is right the trap. It is so awesome to be back with you guys. I am coming off of a family vacation, which was amazing. As uh, my listeners know, I recorded a couple episodes from Costa Rica. We were in Santa Teresa and it was, it was incredible. Um, first of all, uh, if you've if you've ever been to Costa Rica or if you've ever been to Santa Teresa, you, it's a long flight. I got three little ones. Everybody was great. Things went according to plan, but you do, when you fly into San Jose from Newark, and then you have to charter a uh, like a prop plane, a little puddle jumper that takes you to Tambor. Um, now, this is the flight where Timo Meyer got treated. So as, I have a broken hand, by the way, which made traveling a little tough, um, carrying our luggage and having all the kids stuff and whatnot but whatever we managed so we get onto this little plane and when I tell you it's small it's literally like eight people I have five of the people on the plane and um, I'm checking my Twitter and it sounds like this Timo deal is about to go down any minute and um, it's this this plane is like scary small and we're flying over like the rainforest, And it's, it's like, it was, it was really cool. But the point is the entire time I'm refreshing Twitter and I see it coming through and it's rolling through and I'm like, Oh my God, what's happening. And sure enough, the devils acquire Timo Meyer in this trade. And I'm like freaking out. And the people on the plane are looking at me. My wife is happy for me. My kids are happy. Um, but we didn't know what the devils were giving up for like such a long time that it was driving me nuts. Like do me a favor. Next time you tell me that the devils made a huge trade, don't tell me until we know the final details of it. It was, it was too much. Um, You know, we were worried about Mercer and we were worried about Nemitz, even though I knew that those guys were off the table. You, you know, you you wanted to see if they were going to give away Holtz and, uh possibly a casey so i was just refreshing and refreshing and going over and yelling and trying to figure out what was going on and i was killing my battery and then by the time we actually landed um i had like two percent left on my battery i had to find a a shuttle that was picking my family up and we were in the middle of nowhere um and I had all my information that I needed to get into the house that we rented and everything on my phone. So it was, um, it was a real balance of devil's mania within myself and um, having being accessible to the information that I needed to know where I was going uh, out in the middle of nowhere in Costa Rica in the jungle. But obviously, we found out what the devils gave up and um I think most of us were really happy with it we were really happy with the fact that we didn't have to give up Alex Holtz I felt like Muka Madulin was a seriously long shot of a project I didn't like the pick at the time and um sure enough Tom Fitzgerald was able to move a couple of first rounders uh Muka Madulin Ohutuk which I like but there's really not going to be much of a spot for him and um and it all worked out now obviously we're gonna to have to try to sign Meyer long term we have a 10 million dollar qualifying offer next year which obviously everybody knows about but what it does is it gives you really a year and a half in order to get a deal done or over a year to get a deal done so we have some control over him which was the most important thing and I think, and Tom Fitzgerald thinks that Timo Meyer is going to fall in love with New Jersey. He's going to be playing with one of the future superstars or current superstars of the league in Jack Hughes or a, a fellow Swiss mate, Nico Heischer, at center. So he's going to be playing with a very good center regardless of what what line he plays on. Um, Akira Schmid is obviously from Switzerland. Jonas Stegenthaler, so he has that connection going for him. Um, and we were really excited now what sucked was I had to fly back on Tuesday night and I wasn't able to make the game obviously I go to all the games and uh, they were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs and it, it was it was a bummer because I watched the the first period and a half two periods on the plane we landed I tried to watch it on my phone but then by the time we had to drive home I listened to the third period in the car and um, there were some, I ended up rewatching it, but there were some real, obviously, defensive breakdowns. We got a little sloppy with the puck. And it sucked to see Timo Meyer take, um, he had a giveaway that led to a goal. And he obviously took a penalty at the end of the game that also led to a goal. And that was uh, not the kind of home welcoming that we wanted. Uh, to give to give Meyer that we were hoping for a better performance at home in his first game regardless it's gonna take some time he was coming off of an injury and it's gonna take some time to learn a team system I'm not worried about Timo Meyer at all and he came back and he played really good versus Washington which we'll get into that game as well but um Yeah, it was just, uh, it was an interesting week, but it feels really good to be back. So yesterday was my birthday, March 10th, and um, I have some really cool podcasting equipment and I really kind of gotten into this and um, my wife for my birthday really like to kind of put together this really cool studio at the house for us. So I have a really nice environment to create content in and I hope that it translates to you guys and I hope that everybody um enjoys it and they should only these these episodes should only get uh better as time goes on and i've had a lot of fun doing this and now i feel very comfortable and i got a i got a cool setup over here so um so let's jump into it so one of the guys who i was most excited about in the off season coming in was andre Pilat. andre Pilat is like my such such a type of player that I like. He's extremely smart. He um, is good along the boards. He's physical. He finishes checks. He's like the definition of my kind of player. And obviously I watched his success in the playoffs year after year with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He is a guy who consistently comes up big in clutch situations and he was a guy that the devil's overpaid a little bit for he's 31 I believe and we're gonna have him for the next six years but he was a guy that we knew was going to be able to show these kids what it took what it takes to get to the next level show what preparation to games means the mentality that you have to have etc cetera, etc cetera, and help these kids learn to take the next step. He missed a good portion of the year with his injury groin injury but since coming back I think Palat has been a very very important piece of our team it shows you how deep the devils are he's currently playing on our third line but he is like a Swiss army knife the guy can play on any line he can play with any player he's very adaptable his game translates to any line but over the last five games Palat now has five points and I thought it was a real, um, I thought it was a real just like important part of the Devils season to see him get injured the way that he did the other night versus Toronto and how he came right back into the game and ended up scoring a goal and having an assist after losing three teeth and really getting his face ripped apart. That was a very nasty injury. He played it off like nothing happened, he downplayed it. He's a guy who's a man of few words but is tough as nails and he's almost like the dad of the team. He, you know, I think the kids look up to him. You look at a guy like Dawson Mercer and you think about what he could learn from a guy like Andre Palat. The two of them, while Mercer doesn't have the size that Palat does, they play a, ve- a very similar um, type of game to where they, I could see Mercer being a very important piece in the playoffs a very good playoff player because uh obviously the game style changes a bit but I just felt like that by Palak getting back out there and scoring and just kind of leading our team it was a it was a really important part of um of our season and it was uh, I was really proud to to see the way that he handled himself despite having a pretty gruesome injury so Um, He's got 19 points in 32 games, and one thing that he does that I can't help but notice over and over is he is willing to take a huge hit in order to make a play. So he knows he's going to get hit getting into this stuff, um, into these situations, and it doesn't bother him. He takes it like a man, and he's able to get the puck to some of our goal scorers. And uh, I really loved what I've seen out of Palat moving forward. Speaking of the third line, I mean, the third line has been amazing. And I made an episode probably like two weeks ago that is, do we have a third line? And it's because for a long time, it was our top six that were running the show. The BMW line has been pretty invincible, uh, invisible over the past however long. Miles Wood hasn't done much. McLeod's game is hit or miss. Bastion was hurt for a while, and he came back. But the truth was, it was the first two. It was our top two lines that were driving all of our play. And then just recently, the third line has really turned a corner, and the matchups that we've seen them, um, they, they tend to dominate the matchup with the other team's third line. So I had brought up how I thought that Eric Halla could possibly be turning a corner. There was no way that he was going to continue to shoot at 3% shooting. He's a career 12% shooter. And if you were to tell me that Halla would have 15, 17 goals at the end of the year going in, you would probably be pretty happy. And he probably wasn't supposed to be on Jack's wing for majority of the season he had a ton of opportunities he did not capitalize uh, I'm not giving him a pass but he definitely looks like he's slotted in the right position now he's very good in the face-off circle he's been involved in a ton of play driving his analytics have been very very strong over the past two three weeks I really like what I'm seeing out of Eric Hall a lot of Devils fans turned on him pretty quickly And I could not disagree more because he's a guy who he's not a guy who's meant to score five goals or seven goals. He's been a pretty proven goal scorer over the course of his career at not one time. Did he have a bad, any kind of, um, resentment or did he have a bad attitude or did he take stupid penalties? Um, he has been a guy who is hard on pucks, is willing to sacrifice the body play in any position that they're put in. I think that, and all the guys like him in the locker room, he's definitely a locker room guy. I really think that Eric Holla could be a very important piece down the stretch and going into the playoffs. And I, I said before that I wouldn't be surprised if he starts scoring some goals frequently. And sure enough, he's got three goals in his last two games. He's hit a couple posts, he could have more. He's got six points in his last three games. And his game you could tell he's playing with confidence and he looks like somebody who is going to start contributing more regularly moving forward Um, so you have to be happy with him Jesper Boquist is another guy who realistically like I was kind of out on Boquist towards the beginning of the year he does not play a physical game he plays with speed he's got skill but he likes to play in the easy areas of the ice and he was a frustrating guy he's been around for a long time he's not a kid anymore he's 24 years old but you can start to see it coming together and Boquist's defensive game and also he is another guy that is starting to sacrifice his body in order to make a play so I've seen it a couple times where he's went into a hard part of the ice to make a pass knowing that he was gonna get hit in gone after it and he he's another guy who is very hard on pucks he's a good floor checker he's responsible defensively and I really like the decision-making that I'm seeing with him with the puck and when he's away from the puck and I think obviously the devil's coaching staff is acknowledging that they like what he's seeing too. everybody's path to the to the NHL is different and it's and it's obvious to me that Boquist has um, really spent some serious time working on his game and having a more well-rounded game. He came into the league with, you know, the 40th overall pick. He was obviously known for using his speed and his skill, and I think he knows at this point that he's not going to be, you know, a first-line player, and he had to kind of alter his game and get some, you know – Add some stuff to his game play a different style in order to stay into the lineup and I think he's been really good doing it he could be a guy that can be You know, we never expected him to turn into anything and if he continues to develop the way that he has um, He can be just another bullet in the devil's gun right now. He got um, bumped up to the second line the Devils took brat off of that line and we'll get into that in a second, but um, it's it's really encouraging to see the type of play that he's has, and I'm happy for him because uh, he's another guy who's had a very good attitude, and um, he's being rewarded uh, by the coaching staff. And I think like some of that positivity from the coaching staff goes a long way with these younger kids. You know, one of the guys who kind of has um. You know, he got just recently. I mean, Boquist got bumped up to the second line in the Washington game, and they moved Brat down to the third line. And um, I, I was never a Jack and Brat on the same line guy. So I always preferred Brat playing with Heisher. And um, I kind of, I kind of like splitting them up because they both like to carry the puck so much. There's only a certain amount of time that, a, you know, there's only there's only one puck on the ice. So it's like you, you want your guys that carry the puck the best to be able to control the game and open the ice and become play drivers and get the puck to your shooters. And I think it's a little redundant having Hughes and Bratt on the ice at the same time. So typically when I'm looking at lines – I'm more looking at pairings than I'm looking at full lines. And that's not to say that I don't think that having three players that play really well together is important, I think it's more important to have a center and a winger that really gel with one another and then you can kind of move that other winger around depending on injuries, you know, guys who games are have fallen off a bit depending on the situation of the game. So, to me, it's always been about a center and a winger pairing. And I feel like moving Brat down to the third line is going to benefit Brat too. It's going to give him more favorable matchups. You can play him with Halla at center. And while this isn't a center and a winger pairing, I like the thought of Pilat and Bratt playing together a lot. You have a guy that can win pucks along the boards, a guy that's going to go into the hard area of the ice, he's going to make stuff happen. He's going to play very strong defensively. And he's Jesper Bratt can carry the puck up the middle, and Hollow can go to the front of the net. I really like I'm fine with that. I actually I I just think that you weren't getting enough production from Hughes and Bratt, and I know both of them have very strong numbers over the course of the year, but I think that both of them would have very strong numbers regardless of whether they were playing on the same line together or not. So they ended up moving Boquist up to the second line or first line or whatever you want to call them, the Hughes line and Meyer line. I thought that Hughes and Meyer looked really good together. Um, I thought that Meyer was driving more play than Jack to to be honest with you, he plays the puck in his feet a lot. Um, but Meyer definitely likes to t- take a lot of shots, and um, I, I I definitely like the Hughes Meyer combination moving forward. I know a lot of people are into well, we want to play Meyer with Nico because they're both from Switzerland. Let's be real, you don't touch that first line. That first line is dominant. And according to Money Puck, right now, off of their advanced analytics, they're the best line in the NHL. So they have a sixty nine percent hind danger scoring chances for, they're at seventy two percent for expected goals for, and they're at sixty nine percent for goals for. It's insane. You see what this has done with, obviously, Dawson Mercer, but not just Mercer, but Tatar, too. Tatar has played very, very strong. He's an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. The Devils are going to have to take a look at him. If he knows that he's going to have a chance to play with Nico Heeser and a Dawson Mercer, he may be willing to take a little bit less money to not have to bounce around the league. He's played very, very strong uh, on that top line. But Mercer is now has an 11-game point streak and he's got 19 points in his last 11 games. He looks like the player that we all knew he could be plus some um, compared to his first half of the season. Now, right now, Mercer is shooting at like a 28% shooting percentage. It's not sustainable. It's just not. That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it and watch him continue to succeed. And that doesn't mean that he is not going to be an effective goal scorer and he's not going to put pucks in the net it just means that 28% shooting percentage is extremely rare so it's like you're never as good as you are at your best and you're never as bad as you think you are when you're you haven't scored in 20 games you're usually somewhere in between So, um, that, that first line to me has been just something that you're not going to touch and you're going to allow. And I think, you know, putting Brat on the third line, I think it just is going to, the matchups that he's going to be playing against and Hall and Palat, I mean, that is, that is a very strong line. And if you want to put, if you want to move them around and you want to put maybe Palat on the jack line, or You're gonna move Boquist back to the third line. I think Boquist is is a third-line player um, But he is also a good forechecker checker and he can get in on pucks and he could play defensively So I think he pairs well with Hughes and Meyer as well But preferably I think realistically Boquist is a good third-line player and the odd man out is is Sharon govich and I thought it should have been done a long time ago. I've been complaining about Sharon govich He just does not look like he skates with any kind of effort. Um, I know he's a fan favorite. He kind of came out of nowhere. He has a very deceptive, a very heavy shot. Um, But he misses the net a lot. He shoots the puck over the net way too much. He had his opportunity playing with Hughes. He didn't make anything of it. And then he gave the puck up. And they turned around and they scored on us. And... Uh, I guess that was what was that in the Vegas game and you just felt like it was time to where I don't see a spot for Sharon Govich on this team really you know one of the things that I've noticed is when Lindy Ruff joined the Devils he was able to do something that John Hines was never willing to do and he was able to give our young players a big leash. And it was always under the assumption that when Ruff came here that he was going to basically take our kids, turn them into legit hockey players, and when the time come came, we would get rid of Ruff and we would bring in that coach that would bring us over the finish line and Ruff would, be, would get the pat on the back for the player development. He's he's been good and he's been known for developing our players well, developing young players well. Excuse me. And obviously he did that in Dallas, um, with Sagan. But he has gotten to the point, and and I and I liked it. It was nice. It was like John Hines was was coaching for his job, you know, and like John Hines came off of a year when they made the playoffs and now we were, we hadn't made the playoffs and if someone made a stupid play with the puck, they weren't playing. And you saw how many times Jesper Bratt was benched and you saw how many times, you know, a Jack Hughes would have been benched multiple times under a John Hines coach team. And Lindy Ruff allowed the kids to go out there and play with some freedom and watch their game grow and learn from their mistakes and he kept throwing them back out there, and, I, and it was nice to see because you knew that the, that these players were the future of our team. Um, now, if you're Alex Holtz, you're probably thinking to yourself, "What the fuck? Where do I fit into this equation?" And that's that's fair. But the Jesper Brats and the Nikos and the and the and the Hughes and the, they were given a very long leash, and it's a different error now. Now, the Devils are a legit team, and the Devils are a playoff team. And this is a coach who wants to make a real run, and he's going to treat them like men, and he's going to hold people accountable moving forward. And that's why when Sharon Govich turned the puck over, he didn't see the ice for the rest of the game, and he's been a healthy scratch since. And then you saw it happen in the Washington game the other night. Mike McLeod turned the puck over. If you have the puck, in neutral ice, and you can gain the red line and make an easy play and get the puck deep and allow for a change, and you don't, and it costs your team a goal, it's on you. And it's not okay. And what he's doing is he's getting this team prepared for the playoffs, because if you don't make easy plays, if you don't make smart decisions with the puck, if you don't listen to what your coaching staff tells you to do in practice during the games, you're not being put on the ice. And I'm fine with that. I like it. The whole world got crazy! Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? And that's what—that's what's going on in Lindy Ruff's head right now. And it, it's nice to see, actually. I like it. So, Curtis Lazar joined the team. Um Today. It was his first practice, and I'm curious to see where he's going to fit in. Obviously, he's going to be a fourth line player. At this point, there's no point in benching Miles Wood. Um, it's there's only, you know, a handful of games left in the season. I don't see why you would bench him now. I have no problem with them sitting Miles Wood to get a look at Lazar. Lazar seems very fired up to be with this team. It seems like he knows that there's a, they're a fun group and there's an opportunity to take a run in the playoffs. Um, you know, you look at um, like a guy like Kevin Ball. Kevin Ball has played very strong. I brought it up in the last episode that I think you, I don't see how you take him out of the lineup unless he does something really stupid. But I think what's going on is Ruff rough is trying to get Brendan Smith some reps because he knows that you're going to need more than six guys down the stretch. And he wants to get Brendan Smith some reps. And to me, Brendan Smith is a serious liability. He makes so many bonehead plays with the puck and he takes way too many penalties. The truth is we're only four points out of leading the Metro. So, like, all these games count too. I think he wants to know if he can rely on these people moving forward. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, I, I straight up dislike Brendan Smith. I never liked him. I never liked his game. You know, I haven't said this before, but he's a guy who pretends like he's hurt when he makes a bad play sometimes. Um, Constant stupid plays if you don't know if a player is a defenseman or a or offense Offensive player he's played both positions then you're probably not good at either position And I didn't like him when he was a ranger I didn't like him when he played for Detroit I've never liked him and when they signed him for two years. I was really caught off guard That was one of the moves, you know, there's only a couple moves that Tom Fitzgerald has made that I haven't been a fan of Luka is one of them. Chase Stillman is another one. Brendan Smith is another one. <laughs> Besides that, I've I've actually I think Tom Fitzgerald is deserves a serious pat on the back for the job that he's done. So um you look at what Timo Meyer did the other night versus Washington. And I put out a little um, analytic episode, or an advanced stat episode, to go over what some of these numbers mean. But Timo Meyer had the highest Corsi rating on the team, with 83% expected goals for. He had six shots, and his chances for percentage was 71.43. He's crazy good. <laughs> He's crazy good, and it's just getting started. I mean, he's going to be—he's going to be a devil for a long time, and he's going to score some huge goals. It's so good to see somebody that can go right to the net, and a guy that wants to shoot the puck all the time. He's—he's um, he's physical. He plays the body a lot more than a skilled, a normal skilled player would. Um, he's been—he's been really good. He's got—we got, on, we got him on the Devils' power play. The Devils' second power play has actually been pretty successful over the last couple games, so shout out to them. They have had a really rough first half of the season, but Halla and, I mean, Severson has looked pretty good. Severson is definitely playing at a very high level right now. You have to like what you've seen out of him. The Devils power play has now scored in their last five games and is ranked 14th in the NHL. It's going to be really sad to see Severson go. We're going to have Luke Hughes join the team after the Michigan season ends, which is typically the latest it'll be is uh, I think it's the 10th or the 14th of April. So you're going to have Luke join the team. What they're going to do with him, whether he's going to come right in and play or not, I don't know. I mean... If you look at what Simone Nemitz is doing in Utica, he has definitely stepped his game up and played more offensively. He had a really nice goal last night, along with Alex Holtz, who had two goals. And I think part of that, the huge win in that Meyer trade, was not giving up Alex Holtz. This is not a kid that you want to give up on now. He has a great shot. He won the game in overtime last night. He has to learn to play better away from the puck i know that people think that he's the slowest person in the world he's not he has to work on his edge work no doubt about it he has to work on being more responsible defensively and he has to know where to be when he doesn't have the puck on his stick the kid is used to playing with the puck on his stick he's really good in the offensive zone but the team is too good the devils right now they're too good to put a liability out there offensively or defensively. Excuse me. So there, you know, there's no rush. Like he's 21 years old. Let him develop. He's going to be a part of this team. We're going to be very happy that the Devils didn't get rid of Alex Holtz in this Meyer trade. That's a huge win for us. Huge win. And he deserves, he should have been playing the whole time in Utica. We wasted, we didn't do him any favors. So there's no point in us getting on his back for not making the team or not being a good enough skater or not being good enough defensively if you're not even going to give him any sort of game play. Now, one of the issues the Devils have right now is our goaltending. So Vitek Vanacek has kind of fallen back down to earth. He, um, he's he got a 4.26 goals against average in his last five, and his save percentage is an 8 one So he is not playing very well. And everybody loves Vitek, but the truth is we're going into the playoffs, and we're going to need to have some more solid goaltending. Akira Schmeid has played in 13 games. He's got a 1.99 goals against average and a 9.25 save percentage. Now, I think it's time you start giving Schmid big games for two reasons. One, you want to know that you can rely on him. He looks like he can handle it. You're not going to have Blackwood. What do you do with Blackwood? He's been hurt. He's been skating in practice. What the hell does that even mean? I don't even know where you go with him. Mackenzie Blackwood is not reliable. And even if he was 100% healthy, you don't know what you're getting night to night. In my opinion, you're better off playing Schmied in big games now. He looks very sound. He looks very technical. He looks good. And just preparing him for the playoffs. He's going to play in the playoffs. You know, we're going into this weekend, and we have Montreal tonight, and we have a huge game tomorrow versus Carolina. I am, I think, in the minority to where I would rather play Vanacek tonight and let him play versus a weaker opponent, hopefully get a W, have a strong performance, give Schmid the nod in Nork. He's played good. Like, I, Schmid has arguably played as good as Vanacek recently. And give him even more confidence. You know, how many times have we seen a goalie, a young goalie, who, I'm using the quotation marks with my fingers right now, comes out of nowhere and ends up standing on his head in the playoffs and becomes a household name, and becomes a franchise goalie. And he really shows out for the first time in the playoffs. And I think that could be an option. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I would not be that surprised if Akira Schmid ends up being put into a game, starts a game versus the Rangers in the first round of the playoffs, or... What have you, and then ends up turning into and plays stellar and has a serious run and gets hot at the right time and becomes becomes like a legit name and a legit maybe 1A, and not a 1B. I don't even know what you do with McKenzie Blackwood when he comes back from injury. What, are you going to carry three goalies? At this point, I, I, I'm I'm over Blackwood completely. <coughs> what are you going to do, release him? Mm-hmm. But we got to get Vanacek back on track. And obviously, a lot of it is managing his workload. He has never played in this many games before. And um, he may be breaking down a little bit. So I think this is the time where you start giving Schmid some of the load and let's see what he's got. Can't hurt. He looks like he's ready. He looks very intelligent. Any interview that you've seen with him, he looks very composed. He looks like he knows that he belongs here and he's played very well and he looks like a very technically sound goalie. He's really big, cuts down the angles very well, doesn't give shooters much to shoot at. I really like what I've seen out of him. Devils are at 90 points already. What really concerns me is that a lot of these games are one-goal games. We have so many games going to overtime that we've been winning. And it just, I mean, I'm just talking about odds. I don't know how many one-goal games that you win in overtime. I mean, if you were to just play this season out over again, the odds would not be in your favor to win nearly as many games as we have. It doesn't matter because we won. And I think learning to win is the most important thing that I'm taking away from this season. But they're going to have to play a little bit better. I I would hope that they would play a little bit better and continue to grow uh, going into next year. But it's been a lot of one-goal games. These are the cardiac kids. You know what I mean? This is not a team that is easy to watch. Um, They're fun to watch, but goddamn, it's like every night. Right down to the wire. I was really happy to see Timo score that goal in the shootout. Which, the NHL has to get rid of the shootout. The shootout is the worst. You play such a good game, the entire game, which I thought the Devils did in Washington. The Devils played really good. They completely dominated. Um, it It was a close score. This would have been one of the games the Devils would have lost, actually, last year, to where we completely dominate the entire game leave the team in it and then the devils lose in the last you know two minutes of the game that that was could have saw that coming but not this year it looks like this team has definitely turned a corner got over that hump figured out ways not to blow games um but the shootout is the worst and maybe because the devils are so awful in it but three on three is so exciting why not just add another five minutes it's like how long could a three on three game really go without there being a goal the shootout sucks. The uh, the NHL's got to do something about that. Um, one of, one of the th- things I took away from the Washington games, Tom Wilson, and it's like fuck Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is just always up to something. He has such a horrible resume. Um, and he's got a Stanley Cup on it, but I'm talking about the dirty plays. I mean, I th- I feel like the hit on Graves was just. Nowhere near the puck. Looked like he got part of his head. He could have really hurt him. It's I'm just if Tom Wilson isn't on your team, you hate Tom Wilson. He's just ridiculous. And I saw somebody bring up that he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Or he's only got one more year left on his deal, whatever it is. He would be a good fit for this team, but I don't know where you're going to fit it. I don't know. I don't know what you have to do with Tom Wilson um so tonight we have montreal it was funny because i was trying to get to the game i don't know if you guys have ever been to a game in montreal but it is and the bell center is an awesome place to see a hockey game um just the history and the the passion and obviously um you know it's kind of cool being obviously you know everybody speaks french up there so you have has a very European feel to it. Even the chance during the game are almost more of that of a soccer game than they are, but a typical hockey game. When my wife and I met, one of our first dates we went up to Montreal for um a playoff game. So I was like really into hockey. Devils were not really in any you know, they weren't playing well. And um montreal was playing washington in the playoffs and i said we should go up and catch a game so we ended up we hopped in the car drove up there and it was awesome it was like pk suban's um like coming out party so he was like it was his first or second game and he looked really good but the vibe around the town i mean people were partying hardcore everybody everybody had a uh Canadians jersey on i mean that town is in love with the Montreal Canadians and it was a really cool thing to see and be a part of um the <clears throat> Montreal ended up coming back and winning that series when they were down i believe 3 to 1 and it was a real scene up there we ended up going back up like 2 weeks later and seeing him play the Flyers um which they lost uh your uh Halak was in net at the time and um it was, it was really fun, but uh, it's just a great place to see, uh, to see a game. So my birthday was yesterday. Um, we had just gotten back from Costa Rica and then I was we were considering me and a couple of my buddies. Um, we actually Thursday night we went into the city to see the big East basketball tournament and um, we were considering staying over in the city, hopping on a flight from Newark to Montreal and catching a game. And then coming back home, just because it's such a fun city. That uh, Montreal, I mean, the um, if you've never been, the Notre Dame Basilica there, one of the most beautiful churches I've ever been to. And uh, I've been around, you know, all of Europe and everything. It's definitely a city that flies under the radar a little bit. The food is great, music, culture. It's really cool. So I was thinking about going up there with a couple of my buddies, but we weren't able to swing it. So I'm going to be watching from home tonight, but I'll be at the game tomorrow. Devils take on the Carolina Hurricanes in what is going to be a huge one. This is as close to a playoff game as it comes. Um, It's been a long time since they played in a game this big, and people are going to be bringing it. We're going to try to get there early. I'm bringing one of my buddies, and – we got a whole crew that's going to be out there, so we'll probably be uh, at American Whiskey somewhere around four, four thirty. We'll try to get there early, party with everybody. But man, the vibe tomorrow better be on point at the Rock because this is uh, this is a really big one. Now there have been reports that the Devils are in contract negotiations. Tom Fitzgerald with uh, Jesper Bratt's camp originally about a week and a half ago. It was reported that the Devils had put out an offer and there has really not been any response to it. And it's kind of been deadlocked for a while. But I believe it was, who was it? I think it was um, Darren Dreger maybe said that uh, I believe yesterday or Thursday said that he had heard that uh, Camp and Tom Fitzgerald were now talking and trying to figure something out. The the Brat contract is big. It really is. And to be honest with you, like I'm so over the Jesper Brat camp right now. I love Jesper Brat as a player, and it's really awesome to have a six-round guy who's become a core piece of our team, who could drive plays, very creative. Um, But whoever, his agent is a fucking asshole. And at some point, it's up to Jesper Bratt to tell his agent what he wants. And I think Jesper Bratt knows that he wants to be a part of this team long-term. And I don't think that he's worth more money than Jack Hughes. And if it's up to me, I am trying to get Bratt for 7 million bucks. And obviously we want him as low as possible. I think $7 million is fair to where you're not being disrespectful to him. Um, but I don't necessarily think that he's an $8 million player. And I, I, I would hate to just walk away from it and have the whole thing implode over a million bucks. But you're going to have to sign Timo Meyer, You're going to sign Dawson Mercer. And... Down the road, you're gonna have Luke Hughes and Nemitz. And I just I don't think that Jesper Brad is worth eight million bucks. So the fact that some people think he wants 9 million to me is completely nuts. I had um Darren uh Brenner from Twitter. He wrote, um, can you go over what the devil should do in the offseason? They have 32 million of cap freed money. do you want to bring back i think graves is a guy that you want to bring back he um i think he adds a lot to the team i think he's played really well this year if you can get him cheap maybe 4.5 million bucks 4 million bucks somewhere under five that might be something i would be willing to do short term um tatar is another guy it all depends i think the devils are at a point now with the amount of talent that they have on their team and then the amount of talent that they have in their pipeline That a lot of these veteran players who have moved around a little bit like a Halla or a tatar I mean graves hasn't moved around a lot, but they don't want to start jumping from team to team And they might be willing to take a little bit less money to solidify themselves on a team that they know could make a serious playoff push for the next five to ten years Um I wouldn't be willing to sign any of those players to a long-term contract, but if they're able to give you a team-friendly deal and sign a two- or three-year deal, I think it's something that you'd probably want to take a look at. Um, the, the Jesper Bratt thing is... I have a feeling he gets $7.5 million. I want him to get six point five, but... I just don't like the way that he has handled himself Um, and I know it's his agent but his agent represents him and at some point if you want you know it's up to you at the end of the day like the agent works for you I think if you want to get things squared away and you want to be part of something long term you let it be known and you have your agent get it done but At the same point this is a business obviously and he has the right to try to make as much money as he can either way if he makes seven million dollars a year over seven or eight years he's gonna be worth 56 million bucks and that's a lot of money for a six-round draft pick and it doesn't matter what round he was drafted in I'm just saying that's a lot of money he's gonna be a rich man either way Um. One of the, you know, we had a, Chuck Fletcher got fired this week, the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, and you look at the, you look at the Flyers and you have to really be thankful for what you've seen from Tom Fitzgerald over the past three years. Um, The Flyers really have no direction at all, you know, they, they have uh, a team of players who they they're not even in a complete rebuild that's how fucked up they are is typically if you were as bad as the flyers you would be trying to be unloading everybody for draft picks trying to get some draft equity young players prospects and they have players like james van reemsdyke they can't move his contract they can't move the player at all you got an ivan Proveroff, off good defenseman but not a franchise defenseman, haven't moved him. Uh, I mean, you have Konectony, who's good, but you you haven't really made any moves. You went out and you got John Tortorella to lead you into the season, who you know is a guy who's more of a finisher. He's more of a guy that you bring in when you have a really good team in place and you want to take that next step that's just going to get you to the cup. You want to get, if you know that if you get the most out of your guys, you could see yourself winning a championship. They bring him in on a horrible team. Um, they bring in Tony D'Angelo and basically put themselves out of the Conor Bedard sweepstakes, which I think was a huge mistake for them. So, like, they're they're going to finish at, like, 6th or 7th or 8th in the NHL, which is, what are you thinking? Like, you need to rebuild your entire team. They let Chuck Fletcher go through the trade deadline, and then... They fire him afterwards. Like, if you're in the front office, you fire the general manager before the trade deadline so he doesn't make any – excuse me. So he doesn't make any horrible moves. Yeah, but I think not moving JBR really solidified, you know, they ended up firing him right afterwards. Then he came out and said there was not one person that made a call for James Van Riemsdyk. He couldn't move him. He was imp- He's an impossible player to move. And if you're the player, I mean, you don't want to hear that either. I mean, now that, that kind of severs ties with him. The Flyers are in a really bad place, um, and I love to see it. The New York Rangers obviously went out and got Patrick Kane. He's finally got a couple points. I hope we play the Rangers. Actually, I hope we win the division. But I like our chances against the Rangers in the playoffs. I really do. Shesterkin does not look like the same player that he was last year. And Patrick Kane does nothing for me at this point. Great player. Great career. But um, I'm not sure where he fits in with that team. And the game on March 30th is going to be a lot of fun at the Rock. That should be the... Basically, going to be the the pregame, the prequel to what could be a huge playoff series. Um, one, you know, something that is we haven't the kind of excitement that we haven't seen in the New York metropolitan area and hockey related in a very long time. So that's really exciting. But tomorrow's game is huge. I'm curious to see who they run out in goal tonight. If it's Vanacek or Schmeed, like I said, I think a lot of people. Are like, all right, you run Schmid out tonight because it's an easier game, and Vanek would play versus Carolina. I'd kind of do it the opposite way. I think Schmid can handle Carolina. I really do, and I think Vanek just needs a little bit of boost of confidence at this point. Give it a go. But um, I'm really looking forward to uh, I'm really looking forward to this weekend, and I'm going to record again on Monday. Like I said, I got my new studio. I got some cool stuff in here. Maybe I'll take a picture and post it on the internet or something like that. Post it on my Twitter. But uh, yeah, it's great to be back with you guys. And uh, we have a ton of Devils hockey in the month of March. Very hard month. We got a couple games versus Tampa coming up this week, and it's gonna be <clears throat> it's gonna be a wild wild ride for sure. So. Um, Yeah, feel free to uh, reach out if you have any questions or anything you want me to go over. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy the games this weekend. I'll catch you tomorrow at The Rock. My name is Bill Botch, and you are listening to The Trap Podcast.